You're listening to the last session of the day with the Psych Guys. Hey, Tim, you know, uh, something that comes up for me quite often, and I'm not really sure sometimes how to best approach it, is a lot of individuals that I work with uh, struggle with shame and guilt. And um, just wanted to pick your brain on that because I know you work um, a lot of clients on that and I hope you have a lot of expertise. So maybe you, you could give me and some of the listeners some pointers in terms of ha- how you do that. And hopefully we can have kind of a back and forth because I do have some follow-up questions as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, shame and guilt are, are they, they come up all the time, right? And, and I think, um, well, I mean, I, I think that, that a lot of depression really is just shame. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also some, sometimes a lot of anxiety is really just shame, um, or, or, or guilt. So, um, all right, where do I even begin with this? Um, well, I've, first thing I want to say is that it's almost like the people who should feel guilt and shame, and uh-huh. well, this is a big statement here, but the people that should feel guilt and shame sometimes don't. And the people that. Well, it's technically like like what we call inappropriate shame or guilt. Right. They, right. They 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 do feel it. Right? right. And and it's interesting to to you know like let's say I have a client come in and they're um, wildly ashamed over something that that they shouldn't, and then right. the next session someone comes in where they technically probably should be feeling guilt or remorse for for something that something that they did and then they don't. Right. So um, key key point that that, that I say to, to a lot of people is. Um, there's a lot of inappropriate shame and guilt around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I, I really like uh, that idea because I, I always, for myself, try to figure out because in I talk a lot about how emotions are guidance. So, to mm-hmm. me, guilt and shame is very similar to that. So, I, I, I do want to kind of pick your brain on the, the, the idea of excessive versus appropriate. Because to your point, when you, it sounds to me, when you're saying should feel guilty or feel should feel shameful, it's just another way of saying there's guidance here for you. Don't dismiss it. Big time, right? Shame and guilt, like in in theory, they're 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 very useful emotions, right? So, if you think from like an evolutionary standpoint, right? Um, if you do something bad and you feel that guilt feeling from it, well, that's a good feeling that we right. learn from. Like right, that right. uncomfortable feeling <laughs> right, right, right. makes us not do it again, right? If if someone's cheating on their wife and they feel guilty, it's okay, good. Um, <laughs> right. And and also with 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 shame, right? So 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 guilt is you know when we feel bad about something that we did, and and shame is more so like I am bad. Right, so mm-hmm, so I, mm-hmm. I think like guilt is tied to an action, shame is uh, tied to to ourself, right? And similarly, with with shame, right? If uh, you know if you're a five year old and you're running around the playground knocking everyone's sandcastles over, and they say, "Tim, you're a, you're a jerk," <laughs> like right. like you, you need to be better, and then we feel ashamed or like embarrassed. Well, that's a good feeling because then the next day on the playground, you're not going to right knock over everyone's sandcastles on the playground, you know. So. Go ahead. How, how I was just wondering, how do you differentiate? Because yeah, that's so the sand castle is yeah. Uh, to your point, a person should have some sort of uh, guidance about don't do that again. How do you make this distinction? Because sometimes I, I um, you know, give a lot of thought in terms of what's appropriate and versus uh, excessive. I mean, obviously, people mm-hmm. I think our listeners can Google it and find out there's going to be some signs and 
sort of ways to differentiate the two. But I do, maybe we could go a little bit deeper just to kind of figure out, like, how do you do that? How, how does it look like in session when you're trying to help an individual maybe descend into yeah. feeling those feelings when they're trying to push it away from like, you know, claiming that they're a victim of circumstance or when they're angry, but in reality, it should be a little bit more guilt and, and vice versa when there's too much of those very distressing, very difficult emotions. How do you help them sort of come out of it and, and have more of an appropriate feeling? Yeah, well, so so one thing that I that I always say when when I uh, am talking with people and, and I see that their guilt is inappropriate, I ask them the question: Did you do anything wrong or bad or immoral? Right. And mm -hmm. Usually, when I ask that question, the answer is no. Right. So, um, all right, cheesy example that I always use. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I have two dogs, mm -hmm. and uh, when I leave them, I have to put them in their crates because otherwise they'll chew batteries and cords and <laughs> everything in the, and they, ant traps and they are literally a danger to themselves. So I have to, I have to put them in the crates. Right. And I lock that crate and they start to cry and I get this overwhelming sense of guilt. Like I'm doing something wrong. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, and I have to ask myself the question, like, am I doing something wrong or bad or immoral? Well, no, I'm doing something good. I'm caring for my dog. So that way they don't eat something that ends their life. So, so in reality, I'm being a good dog owner. Um, hmm. and yet that, that, that feeling of guilt comes up. And I think hmm. that, that question that I ask people a lot, like, are you doing anything wrong or bad or immoral? I think that's a really quick nitty gritty way to sort of identify inappropriate guilt. Hmm. Okay. Okay. And what, so let's say they say no, what do you do? What do you do next? Because, uh, I mean, as, as a clinician, you also know that there's a, sometimes people kind of get it, mm -hmm. but they get it cognitively, like, like in their mind, but sometimes it's hard to translate that into like feeling differently. Do, do yeah. You, well, what, what do you do there? Well, <laughs> I have a lot of different things to say, but, mm -hmm. um, from sort of a, a CBT, a, a cognitive behavioral therapy standpoint, right. I'll, I'll, I'll sort of have them go through a, a, a thought changing exercise, right? Mm -hmm. Like look at the rationality or the validity of that thought, right? I'm, uh, I'm doing something bad because I'm putting my dog in the cage. Well, no, that's actually, that, that's actually untrue. That's actually irrational. So then I will have them replace that thought with a more rational thought, which could mm -hmm. be, um, you know, I'm doing a good job taking care of my dogs, right? right. Those two thoughts lead to two very different feelings. Now, that's sort of like the quick and easy surface level stuff. Mm -hmm. um, typically, uh, you know, with, with, with shame and guilt, there, there's a whole lot of uh, piled up negative beliefs about ourselves and uh, negative feelings about ourselves from, from the past, right? So if it's sort of a, um, you know, if it's coming from somewhere else, like in our past, like something that's internalized or something mm -hmm. along those lines, well, then we sort of have to rewind the clock a little bit, go back to those events and kind of like process sort of where <laughs> that belief system came from. So mm -hmm. in like a, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I see that because I, I could imagine not, not to sound like a cliche shrink, but you know, a lot of this stuff was probably developed during formidable years of, of childhood and adolescence where potentially there's some sort of feedback that was given that was kind of taken in by the person 
be it yeah. uh, be it parent or be it sibling or maybe teacher or whatever the case may be, where they some, some sort of uh, take that in. Almost, it's interesting that you also do EMDR for trauma. I could imagine those two things are often intertwined where maybe it's not traumatic in oh, terms yeah. of how most people think of like, oh, coming back from the war, but just like in a way where a person is overwhelmed with particular uncomfortable emotions, don't know how to handle it. But like, that's kind of the way I like to define trauma is that the person, mm -hmm. you know, the, their physiology kind of uh, got ready to conquer or to help themselves during a difficult time. And, and, and that space was not able to overcome whatever the stressor might be. And that could be something as simple as somebody yelling or somebody mm -hmm. pointing out that you've done something wrong or, or criticism. Um, and the person then kind of takes that in to mean something about themselves. So it's interesting that you do both. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think all therapists should be super aware of, of, of all of this stuff. So, you know, oftentimes I feel like, like presenting problems or the, or the thing that someone's coming in with, um, well, I, I can give you a quick little example. Let's say, let's say some person is coming in because they're 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 really anxious about getting everything done on time, right? Like they're they're mm -hmm. really anxious about work and this and that and the other thing. And so, if I just kind of focus on that anxiety, that sort of like here and now sort of stuff, mm -hmm. um, I think I'm missing a big piece because when we sort of peel back the layers a little bit and we look back at their history, their 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 attachment history, that sort of thing. Um, it maybe I uncover and this is pretty common. Oh, you know, I, I, I came from a household where everything had to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, then I wasn't good enough. Right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, um, I was, I was ridiculed. I was yelled at. And so there's that internalized belief is sort of like, I must be perfect or else I'm not good enough or worthless or something along those lines. So in the day to day, right. The person has that that core belief in the back of their brain that's mm -hmm. based on shame, and they're anxious about getting everything done so that way they don't feel shame. Right, right. right. So, so it's it's it would be a big disservice just to focus on that anxiety because the anxiety is a result of that sort of like core belief that is super duper shame based. Mm -hmm. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, that makes that I, I I definitely hear it, and I guess I'm wondering if my it's it's interesting to be able to pull back some of the layers to get to that sort of uh, way of looking at oneself and others. And it's also be, being able to almost get in touch with that feeling. Because I would imagine a lot of people, and I, I know I'm sure you have this experience, I definitely do as well, where the the surface emotion is what's focused on, like anger mm -hmm. or anxiety. Once you start peeling back and you, and you help uh, you know the clients to get in touch with the other element, it, it gets, uh, for the lack of a better word, gets yucky. Because those are very mm. difficult feelings to have, and then just and then layer on top of that the discernment between excessive and appropriate. Because then you're mm. kind of telling the client that, hey, listen, by the way, some of this may be appropriate, which uh, to me adds a <laughs> another <laughs> significant layer because it's sort of then not only have you never felt it, now you're you're called upon, if you will, to be able to differentiate between effective and ineffective, excessive or appropriate, and then sit with all of that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, okay. It gets it gets messy and it gets gross, right? You know, I, it, I, it I pretty quickly say, too. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you know, I I I had someone say, you know, Ugh, like I know I shouldn't be feeling this because this isn't an unhealthy emotion, but I feel so guilty. Mm. And I was mm. like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like <laughs> what what makes you think that that 
that, that that's unhealthy. And they say, you know, um, so super exactly. So, you know, once you kind of get down into those kind of core feelings mm -hmm. of, of, of shame and guilt, you're exactly right. You have to suss out what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. Right. Right. Um, hmm. And do you ask people to kind of, you know, a big part of like CBT's exposure exercises. So I'm wondering, do you, and for some of our listeners, exposure exercises, it's just a, a way to lean into discomfort. Like for instance, mm -hmm. if somebody says, has a phobia or fright of dogs, like it's really about gradually exposing yourself to the dog and tolerating that discomfort that comes up. I'm wondering, do you do that with guilt and shame as well? Just so that a person sort of gets comfortable, um, being able to sit with it without doing anything about it. Sort of like, you know, when we go to the beach, you kind of put your toe in and you mm -hmm. wait until your body adjusts. Like that's the simple way of thinking about an exposure exercise. Uh, do you do that? You don't do that? Like, how do you, how do you work with that? Uh, I'm, well, sort of. Yeah. Right. Like, um, I, I do a lot of EMDR, right. And, and the D in EMDR is desensitization. Right. So, um, a big part of what we're doing is like, we're going back into these memories, and, mm -hmm. you know, all that sort of stuff, which, which does desensitize us to a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the R in the EMDR is, is, is reprocessing. So mm -hmm. it's sort of like that experiential process of well, like reprocessing right. the, the memory. So, so I would say like, yes and no. Mm -hmm. Um, it really depends on like how I'm working with, with, with the patient, right? If it's just like strictly CBT, I kind of go one way. And then if it's EMDR, I, I go another way. Um, so it all kind of depends and it gets pretty nuancy. Right. Um, huh. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. So wait, and, and do you start off by assessing that from the get go? So let's say if a person comes in, uh, I don't know, frustration, anxiety, whatever the case may be. And then you notice there's a little bit more internalized guilt and shame. Do you suggest like, oh, once you get to that point to explore EMDR and for our listeners, um, you know, you definitely can uh, listen to some of our other podcasts that we explore EMDR in a little bit more detail, but just for this conversation. So do you, do you go from one to another or do you switch like midway? Like how, how do you do that? Well, I, I'm always thinking about things in more or less the same way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and boy, it would take me f like forever to, <laughs> to explain that. We'll put that on another podcast. Sure. But, um, you know, uh, I'm always thinking about internalized and piled up negative beliefs and mm -hmm. negative feelings. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, those, uh, you know, oftentimes those piled up negative beliefs about ourselves, other people in the world, um, oftentimes really do lead to, well, any, any array of feelings, whether mm -hmm. appropriate or, or inappropriate. So whenever I'm first meeting with a person, you know, I, I always try to do my best to take a really good history. Um, I kind of take like a, like a trauma and loss history to kind of, uh, suss out what sort of things have happened. I take a little bit of an attachment history, mm -hmm. sort of like mm -hmm. what were things like with mom, with dad, caregivers, et cetera. And then I, I kind of feel back the layers of sort of like, okay, all those sorts of things happened to you. Um, I'm wondering, and I have a handy little list that I use, but I'm wondering if any of these negative beliefs are sort of uh, formed from that stuff. Um, and oftentimes people say, oh yeah, like these five really, really stand out to me. I kind of mm -hmm. think those in the back of my head often. And then I say, oh, right. So, and then again, d depending on the, the person's comfort level, like maybe we go into EMDR stuff. Maybe we're, we're just in like in, in another trauma informed approach. Maybe it's just strictly CBT kind of focusing mm -hmm. more so on, on here and now. Um, but either way, I'm always thinking about it in the same way. And I know mm -hmm. that's, 
maybe that was the most clear explanation. No, 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 but... no. I think I, I, I think if you have a, like a coherent way of how you look at it, I think it's very helpful because it creates some sort of consistency for the clients yeah. you work with. So, and I think it sounds what you're saying is that you're also flexible to adjust based on need. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's great. I think one great distinction that you've made that, that I, I'm definitely going to take away from today is the difference between guilt and shape in terms of one, you're focusing on behavior and mm-hmm. when you're focusing on self, kind of almost like a self-assessment, I'm bad. I've done mm-hmm. something bad, which is kind of like guilt, or mm-hmm. I'm bad, which is shame. Mm-hmm. To me, shame then seems like like guilt on steroids because behavior, you could kind of shift and change. If I'm bad or unlovable, that's like, that's a totality of me. Like, how do you go from being unlovable to lovable or from accept from unacceptable to acceptable like that sense from almost like differentiating it almost seems to me now that it now that we're talking about it, it almost seems like if you start with shame you almost kind of have have to go through guilt because you kind of have to go from i'm bad to to at least i've done bad things yeah yeah or or not necessarily perhaps right uh uh I don't know. I wouldn't be able to give you an answer on that one. But okay. one thing that I that I will say is, um, and this is really my own personal opinion here. But you know, I I think that we're uh, socially and um, our culture, we're 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 kind of programmed to feel a good amount of shame, mm-hmm. right? Uh, like uh, going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but you know, like if you think about like how kids are disciplined, like right. you're in you're in trouble because you're bad. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Oh, I am bad. Well, technically they should feel guilt because what they right. did was bad, but right. you know, right. like, like, right. like you're bad, like a lot of finger pointing. Right. And we, we get praised when we are good. Oh my gosh, you're so good. Right. Great. But then the opposite happens. Oh no, you're bad. Right. So, um, I think we're programmed for, for, for shame in so many different ways. I think, uh, like the way that, um, uh, Basically, everyone, parents, I think school, right, uh, right. whether they whether they want to or not, unless a lot of shame. And if we think about like social media, like and like what we see on the TV, right? Um, everyone that you look at on TV is way better in some way right. than you are. Right, right. And then the other side of that coin is I'm not good enough. <laughs> right. So then. Right. So then that gets internalized, like implicit, explicitly, whatever. And we're all walking around feeling we're not we're not good enough. Right. And we're just trying to overcome that in some sort of way, you know. Oftentimes, I, well, there, there's one story I always think of. Mm-hmm. This, this, this one guy I was seeing a long time ago. He, um, super, super fit guy, right? And he comes in and I say, "How are we doing today?" He goes, "Awful." And no. I say, "Why?" He goes, "I went for my one rep max on on incline bench," and I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "I didn't get it." And I said, "Oh, well, that's unfortunate." And I was like, just, "Just out of curiosity, like, how much? How much are you going for?" He, he goes, "I was, I was going for three hundred and fifty-five pounds," oh. and I I started cracking up because I, because I couldn't help it because like that's an absurd amount. Oh, is it? <laughs> like, absolutely. Like for any average person, like that's, that's right. enormous. And I said, "So is it? Is it safe to say that you've gotten like 300, 315? And he goes, "Yeah." And I said but you didn't get this weight today. And he goes, no. And I said, okay, like, what does that say about you? He says, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I go, ah, Man. and then I go, what happens when you get it? You're like, I'll be happy for a little bit, but then I'll be going for the next one. And I said, well, what, what happens if you don't get that? Well, then I'm not good enough. 
And I was like, wow, here's this person who's extremely strong, sets these goals, achieves them, but feels utterly broken and empty inside because their self is just so much shame. And well, I guess that brings up a point that that shame could be a really powerful motivator. Right. But I, I think that it always like it never really leads to like fulfillment or happiness. Like, yeah, you right. can lift 400 pounds, but you don't feel good about yourself. So, so what's the point? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that, that you bring up the idea of like that, that our culture is a sort of guilt and shame based, be it in school or at home or just in social media or TV. I mean, I, I think a lot of people kind of can relate to, uh, to that idea. Interestingly enough, there are some therapies out there now, especially working with kids that really focus on the relationship between the parent and the child rather than mm-hmm. like parent creating like, you know, I think a lot of <clears throat> parents and I know even a lot of therapists strongly believe in like uh, behavior charts, like you get points and things mm. like that taken away. And and there's some treatments out there that actually move away from that because they kind of suggest what you're talking about. And they're really focusing on the interaction between the parent and the child and developing that bond, because through that bond, you get more effective communication, you get more effective sort of relationship. So that's uh, it's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. And, and so I've been talking about one side of the coin the whole time, I think Mm. the kind of like when, when shame shame is inappropriate, but let's not, let's not forget what we said before. There are very appropriate times where we should feel shame and guilt. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it could be a quote unquote problem. Like if, if we don't. Right. Right. And, um, uh, people do a lot of interesting things when they feel shame because it, it's such a, um, unpleasant emotion. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar there. There's one tool that I use it. Mm-hmm. It's called the cup, the, the compass of shame. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically okay. four four common ways that people kind of like deal with or cope with the feeling of shame. Oh, um, yeah. What are they? So, um, I'm going to mess this up. Like which one's North, South, East and West, sure. but, mm-hmm. um, Let's, let's just say north is uh, denial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel that's shame and my brain just denies the fact that it exists, right? So the cheesy mm-hmm. example I use, let's say I'm walking on the beach and I trip in front of a couple pretty girls mm-hmm. and I just sort of like lean my head on my hand and ah. say, like, oh, I, I totally meant to do that, that right? right, right, right. Um, so let's say that's north, um, denial. Let's say south is uh, withdraw, right? So I feel mm-hmm. shame and I, and I withdraw. I sort of uh, like... Uh, I, I, I depress, I go into my room. Mm-hmm. I think of like when a dog gets scolded, he like hides his head under a blanket or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's denial, there's uh, withdrawal and then East and West, um, it's attack self and attack others. Mm-hmm. Right. So if I feel a lot of shame and, and I'm, and I attack myself, well, that might be self-harm. Right. Or it might be the thoughts that run through my head. Oh, Tim, you're so stupid. You're an right. idiot. Like, right. how could you have done that? Right, right, right. And then on the other side of the uh, east or west or whatever you want to call it, attack others. Um, I feel ashamed and then I like lash out. Right. right? So let's say I I cheat on my fiance and I say, well, you know, it, it's your fault it's your because, fault. you know, um, hmm. and you know, like if if you were better in the relationship, I wouldn't have done that. Right. 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 So uh, almost taking the victim mentality there. Yeah. Yeah. Could be right. Yeah. Hmm. And so. Uh, I'm always sort of, sort of aware of those of those four ways that 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 shame tends to sort of come out, um, and I think that that's a good opportunity to 
uh, sort of like look at the behavior, tie it back to that feeling of shame, and then have that conversation of sort of like, well, do we think that the shame is appropriate or inappropriate? And um, if it's inappropriate, then we sort of work on that. Sure. And, and then if it's appropriate, I say, you know, it's totally normal and natural that you uh, react to the shame in this way, but maybe we should take a look at that. Maybe we should, maybe we should learn from it. And maybe we should kind of like hold that feeling, although it's wildly uncomfortable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and use that to inform us. Um, and unfortunately I feel like on whatever sort side of the coin you're looking at inappropriate, appropriate, whatever. Um, we have, we, we have a lot of troubles dealing with shame and it, and, and it comes up a lot in, in our offices. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just uh, tying it back a little bit to the, you know, to the clientele that I typically work with is, you know, I work with a lot of men um, and <clears throat> substance use or substance misuse, I should say. And uh, obviously guilt and shame comes up pretty frequently. Uh, mm-hmm. And the idea about being able to sit with, you know, some of the things that have maybe transpired in one's life, be it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not talking to their kids anymore, or maybe it's divorce or second divorce or losing a job or being incarcerated, whatever the case may be. Uh, there's a lot of processing potentially to what you're saying about appropriate guilt. Yep. Uh, and how do you, you know, 20 years, 30 years into inappropriate behaviors, uh, you sit with that, in your late fifties, let's call it, or late forties or whatever the case may be. And to like reflect back on your life and, and start taking changes that takes to me, just takes a lot of, uh, a lot of motivation and a lot of sort of oh, being yeah. able to honestly look and honestly sort of move forward through that. And to your point, learn and inform that's a, that's a tall order. I, uh, I mean, uh, people come to therapy, hopefully, because they're motivated to do that. But just like hearing the way you're describing it and just kind of applying it to some of the clients I work with, it's a, it's a tall order, you know, at, uh, at any oh, yeah. age. But it's definitely <laughs> something to start doing it in your you know, 50s and 60s. Um, oh, yeah. So that's, uh, wow, that's, that's a lot of powerful work. Yeah, and it's and it's icky and it's gross and it's. But let messy. me let me ask you this question. Now that we're you know talking more about it, and you know potentially some of our listeners are hopefully relating to some of the things that we're talking about. Now, do you? And I'm not even sure if this is uh if there's an answer to this. But guilt, I get. You mm-hmm. know, guilt. I understand that appropriate guilt, right? Mm-hmm. You cheated on taxes, you cheated on your husband or wife, you cheated on a test. Um, that makes sense. Effective guilt, appropriate guilt. Let's learn from that. Let's not do that again. Right. Mm-hmm. But what about, so that, that kind of makes sense to me because you're keeping yourself together and then you're looking at your behavior and you're assessing what, what happened Did you, you know, act effectively or not. But what about shame? Cause Take me through this a little, like how is, how is there's appropriate shame? Because like, what is the benefit to looking at yourself saying like, I am bad? Like what's, maybe you could take me and listeners a little bit through that. Cause there I'm, I'm kind of lost a little bit. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't have as, as quite of a, like, like a concrete as, as, as I do with, with, with guilt and um, maybe that'll hit me in the brain in a Mm -hmm. year or so, but, um, but, but appropriate shame well is there such a thing and maybe there's maybe there's no answer to that question but i i, I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to pose it because it, it's really it's 
it's just interesting to be able to think of because we obviously as people feel it. So right. and and being informed with the idea that emotions are evolutionarily based and informed with the fact that emotions are guidance and they're not mm-hmm. random, that mm-hmm. they're not there as a lot of people think they're a nuisance to our functioning. No, if if anything, it's it's informative to how yeah. we function. So I do wonder w- what that might be. Right. So the way that I look at it, I, and, and I'm thinking of two ways right now, right? Uh, oftentimes what, what I think, uh, the, the thought or the thought process that leads to the feeling of shame is I'm like, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, or I'm not blank enough, whatever mm-hmm. the blank is now that very well may be true. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, if I'm a, if I'm a father and I'm neglecting my kids and I'm thinking, ah, I'm, I'm not a good enough father. Well, mm-hmm. Good. Right, right, <laughs> like, right, right. Think, think that and, right. and feel that and use it and, and, mm. and, and, and change. Right. Um, so like when, when we have that thought of like, I'm not good enough and, and, or, or, or I'm not blank enough. Um, right. and it, and it's actually valid and rational. Then I would say, well, yeah. And let's, let, let's work on that change on like on our self. Right. Um, and, and also like another, uh, another kind of way that I look at it is if, if we take a look at our morals and values and sort mm-hmm. of like, like, like how am I being, how am I interacting with the world? Mm-hmm. Like, is that, is that aligned with my morals and values? Um, if, it, if no, right, then I probably feel pretty crummy about myself. Right. right and right. then I would say that that's appropriate too. Hmm. Um, so kind of like tying it back to that thought and also tying it back to the, to, to, to morals and values that that's what I've found maybe like leads to the conversation of appropriate versus inappropriate shame. I think, I, I think that's dead on. I really like, I, I'm, I'm really resonating with what you're saying because to me, you're right. Shame is about identity. So if your yep. value and identity is more into a particular part of who you are, let's say fatherhood, is a big mm-hmm. one, at least for men, or motherhood for women, or potentially your identity lies at work, mm-hmm. and th- you're feeling some sort of way about it. I could, I could definitely see how that I- identity is now sort of latching on to a particular mindset, and then there's a sense of, uh, you know, feeling feeling that element of shame. Yeah, that that I could. So it, it's a sense of identity to how much you identify with something that, that really makes a distinction that that's interesting. Yeah. And I just have to mention super nuancy and right. super individual for each, each person. Right. Right. So right. there's really no, like, um, that I don't think anyways, like, like there's no prescription for like, should you, should, should anyone feel guilt or shame? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is all very personal and like case by case basis. Um, hmm. And it gets kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I really like uh, the idea, the distinction between guilt and shame. And, and it sounds like that that exercise in terms of like pointing to the four parts of the compass to try to get a sense for people to see how they engage with their own guilt and shame, uh, whether they denied, withdrawed, whether they kind of criticize themselves or others. I, I think I, I think that's in sort of a relatively easy way for you and I to think about it, and I'm sure potentially for some of the li- listeners to see whether are you guys doing any of that? Because if you are, that mm-hmm. might be something to take a look at and maybe come up with a, a more effective or more or kinder way to interact with those feelings. That That's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, and in closing, I, I guess I want to share a, a little funny story. Sure, I, uh, sure. I, I play very non-competitive softball on Sundays. <laughs> and, okay. And we suck. We're, right. we're, we're so bad. We, <laughs> we, we recently lost to a team whose average age was like over 60. <laughs> and I'm not over 60 and neither right. are any of my team, right? So whatever. Um, so there's one guy on my team, right? Uh, two outs, man on, man on second and third. He, he hits a fly ball to, to left field, mm-hmm. right? Easy to get on base. A light right. jog right. would have gotten right. there. And he freaking walks. Oh. <laughs> he, he walks to the base and from left field, he gets thrown oh, out no. at first. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we look at him and we're like, Mike, what the? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, kind of shrug his shoulders. Like, eh, whatever. And everyone's like losing their mind. Like, everyone's like ripping on him. Everyone's like, what are you doing? Right, right, right. And, and I looked at him and I said, are you ashamed? Right. And he said, not at all. And I said, that's a problem, bud. Right, like, right, right, you you should feel ashamed of yourself right now. Right, right, like, right. Well, I don't, and I oh, said that's wow. a problem. <laughs> wow, 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 yeah, wow. That's a, that's a really good example. That's a really good example. And obviously, we don't have the time today to talk about yeah, which which one of the pieces he was using, whether it's denial or whatever no, the case denial. may be. And that, right, right, right. Uh, so we'll, we'll uh, we could take apart that maybe next time. But suffice it to say, yeah, people walking around with having too much shame and guilt or potentially not enough. And uh, that's that striking that balance sort of uh, potentially takes a lifetime to figure out how to use it effectively. I'm All open, right, guys. I'm hoping Mike listens to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. That would be a lot of fun. Um, so uh, so that's, that's I think that's it for today. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon again. All right, bye. This has been the last session of the day with the Psych Guys. See you next time.